Harmony at home. That is what most caregivers strive for when parenting an autistic child. Often parents are overwhelmed with meltdown after meltdown and really not sure what they can do to help their child. This impacts the family dynamic and often takes a toll on the parent-child relationship. We want to help you navigate a journey towards less chaos and more calm. The Meltdown Manual is a roadmap to harmony at home. The strategies that we will share in this course can be implemented by any parent who is willing to commit and for any age or stage of development. You don't need a therapy-based degree to become an expert on your child. It is our experience that parents can easily implement these strategies as efficiently, if not better, than a therapist or educator. My name is Stacy Badon, and I will be one of your instructors for this course. I'm excited to share the knowledge I have gained over the past 35 years as speech therapist, child development specialist, sensory enrichment therapist, and an educator, working with hundreds of autistic children from around the world, as well as their parents. I am excited that I'm going to be joined with Torin Kearns, who is an autistic adult, a screenwriter, and content producer with over 30 years of lived experience. The course will start in May of 2022. We'll have more information soon. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I didn't say anything. I wanted to give that dead time at the end of it, too, uh, so I could cut that off as well. No, that was good. That was good. That was good. And we are live back with another episode of Shifting the Narrative on Everything Autism. I'm Torin Kearns, and as usual, I'm joined by the autism sage herself, Mama Badden. How are you? Hi, Torin. How are you? We're We're both having overcast days, so we have to pull from our internal energy today. The sun's not shining. Oh my God. It doesn't look like it from behind me, but that's what like the Venetian blinds open and, and the light coming in. It's still, uh, my ring light right now is, is pulling heavy duty. If I turn it off, it just looks dark. Yeah. My ring light, my HD camera really, they're the, they're, they're the real goats right now. <laughs> it's a gloomy day. It is. So we are going to have an interesting dialogue today. Oh, yeah, we have a special edition episode. So, backstory. Mm -hmm. uh, both my my dad was and my aunt still is a major pack rat. They don't really throw anything out, which is annoying for the most part. But occasionally, I'll find something really nice. And in this case, I found a bunch of my old IEPs and uh, evaluations and stuff from when I was like three, four, and five years old. Mm -hmm. I found that at my apartment where my dad used to live. And then my aunt actually had all the IEPs and assessments from when I was like in middle school going into high school. Because by that point, my dad was disabled. She was the one mm -hmm. taking me to those assessments. So I have kind of an almost full sort of psych psychological and educational history in paper wow. from preschool to about 10th grade. So what I want to do is I want to read some of it. Obviously, I'm not going to read every word. We'd be here for five hours. It'd be very boring. <laughs> and a lot of it you can't read because IEPs, for some reason, they love to write in that like Dr. Chicken Scratch. Mm -hmm. um, so some of it's just straight up unreadable. I'm doing the best I can. But I do want to read some of it and some select pieces of it to, to give parents some idea that a child at three years old is different 
a child 16 is different than a child three years old. Mm -hmm. And show what changes and what doesn't change. Mm -hmm. And also show some biases from doctors. A lot of this was going on in the late mid to late 90s and early 2000s for me. But unfortunately, some stuff hasn't really changed. Yes. So we want to go over all that. I'm going to read some. We're going to have some discussions. We're going to have some fun. Uh, There were a lot of uh, mistypings in this. Apparently, (laughs) I am a Hispanic male. Oh, well, look at that. Actually, no, I'm a Hispanic chick. Oh, okay. Because some of them said she multiple times. So more times than to be a typo. The copy paste, the copy paste, the copy paste. I've had my name spelt wrong in about five different ways. Uh, This very first one, my name is spelled T-O-R-E-N. That's my first name, Torin. And my last name, they spelled K-E-R-N-S. Oh, no. They missed two letters and added one that's not even there. (laughs) And that's the first one when I was three. It's all downhill from there, folks. Ah, so embarrassing. Are you ready to get started, Stacey? I am ready for this discussion. My brain has so many things, but I'm I'm excited. Yeah, you're gonna be pissed off by the end of this. Well, you know, it's interesting when you when you brought this up, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is one of the reasons I tell parents make them change that because your child will read this when they start participating in the IEP or when they get ready for college. Make them change that wording. Don't let that reflect. Um, your child in that way. Uh, yeah, because here we are. So let's let's break it down. Let's see what they said about you, Torin. As a disclaimer, um, I'm currently uh, quite low on spoons. I'm a bit dysregulated right now. So you, you can't really see me because this is, this is an audio only. I'm currently stimming like I just smoke meth. Mm-hmm. And you might hear it a bit in my voice and my speech pattern. So no, I'm not an Adderall. I'm just low on spoons. Okay, let's go. <laughs> All right. So the first one is from Christ. There's like five different dates on this. I don't know why they do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, a late, a April. We're off to a great start. <laughs> April 11th, 1995. So I would have been about three years old. Data evaluation was March 28th. Uh, okay, first thing. I'm going to start off with behavioral observations. Trying to find the light here. Torin, misspelled, did not look directly at me. Instead, he seemed to be constantly looking for something other than what he was doing. Occasionally, he focused, and when he did so, was able to quickly and easily do difficult things. However, he had, a, he had little tolerance and quickly repudiated what he'd done. For instance, he would easily stack blocks seven high twice, but then refused to try the third time and throw all the blocks on the floor through all the blocks on the floor. Why do you think that is, Stacey? I'm sure you have an opinion on this. Oh my gosh. Like if you've already done it once and then you did it twice, why do you have to demonstrate it again? Ah! There's more. Torrent's speech was unclear but profuse and he demonstrated a large vocabulary for his age through his spontaneous remarks as such as which way or the end. He also identified many objects by name when he saw them as long as it was not part of the testing process. When Torin saw a number of books and school bus saw a number of books and a school bus on a high shelf in the testing room, he kept calling for them by name and throughout testing would not relent in his request for those items, even when he was told no repeatedly. His voice was high pitched, 
because I was three. And he repeated requests mechanically over and over because I was three. <clears throat> After completing a task, Torin usually destroyed it. At the end of the testing, he tried to overturn the testing table with all the materials on it. He became angry easily, threw a toy at me, tried to scratch, and to hit me. He refused to do most verbal subtests, but did identify one picture accurately. Doggy. Mm -mm. A little bit more. So this is under language. Torin has a considerable vocabulary, but he was unwilling to demonstrate his abilities in formal tasks. Mm -mm. What are your thoughts on that before I keep reading? First of all, how are you going to have an assessment area for children and have a school bus on a shelf, which is visible to to the child, and the child makes a request for it and you don't give the request? Why would you even have that there so that you have to say no? During an assessment. That's why you threw that tabletop. (laughs) I would have thrown that tabletop across. Apparently, I threw threw stuff at the doctor, too. He employs his vocabulary in his request for objects around the room and in sparring during the testing session. And in his sparing during the testing session, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that is. For instance, when he didn't want to finish a task, he said the end quite dramatically. (laughs) When he wanted to know how something worked, he said which way. According to his mother, he can name all obvious body parts. He also uses the word underneath. Apparently that means something. Okay, there's some stuff on on motor skill functioning. I'm pretty much going to skip all the stuff that stuff about motor skills can all be summed up as this. I have no sense of balance. I couldn't, mm-hmm. I was years behind where everybody else was. And they always mm-hmm. said I needed to improve it. Mm-hmm. That, that stays pretty much constant throughout the IEP assessments. I'm very unathletic. So I'm just going to skip those. So and what I, I find what I find so interesting is they say all of these things that you're doing instead of what they wanted you to do, but instead of seeing that all of the things you were doing were demonstrating communication, language, vocabulary, labeling, like instead of them looking and seeing, oh, he is doing that, not necessarily when he's at the table with us, but he is capable of doing that, check, check, check just amazes me how they gloss over all of the things that you are doing to look for that one thing that they say, oh, he's not doing this. Summary. <sighs> this is the summary of the whole thing. This is, this is, just, this is just the first one. <laughs> Torin, once again misspelled, it's misspelled on all of these, by the way, Mm-mm. is an agitated and distractible child who shows some verbal and cognitive skills that are at or beyond age level functioning and also some serious deficits. Once again, I was three. Mm-mm. He was too distracted and oppositional to establish a reliable testing score. Motor functioning is a great conflict area for Torin. When presented with a wagon or a bicycle, he becomes upset. According to his mother's reports, he is clumsy and does not hop, jump, or run easily. Torin appears to be in an oppositional state much of the time. Refusing to use the potty and refusing to follow directions even when he understands them. He actually performed a few difficult visual motor tasks, stacking blocks and finishing a foam board in 30 seconds. He identified five colors verbally. However, after completing a given task, he often, he tended to repudiate what he had done 
and finish the testing by trying to overturn the whole testing table. He said, all done. I can imagine I, I can imagine saying all done and flipping the freaking table. That, that, oh, yeah. That's how I imagine in my mind. Yeah. The but end. Obviously, I couldn't remember this. The end. So what are your thoughts on that first sack of shit? Well, it's interesting how, you know, now you are this um, outraged, defiant, oppositional, brilliant three-year-old. I, I mean, pretty much that's what I heard, right? Like, oh, gosh, he can do all this, but he is just refusing. <laughs> I'm like, maybe it's because he is, like, brilliant and looking at you all like, what the heck? Why would you, why do you have to demonstrate stacking the blocks three times in a row to prove that you have stacked the blocks? Like, I just don't understand that. Yeah, I, I understand maybe a second time to prove it wasn't a fluke, but three, that just seems overkill. Though it's funny you mentioned the brilliant thing, because you'll see there's a pattern of me being referred to as average over and over and over and over and over in everything, but with a caveat. Mm. Here's the next one. I'm not going to, obviously, I'm not going to read this whole thing. This is from February 27, 1996. So about a year later, I would have been almost four. Okay. Behavioral observations. Torrin oh. is cooperative. You know it's going to be good when it says behavioral. Torrin is cooperative, enthusiastically, enthusiastically, oh, Torrin is a cooperative, enthusiastically attends speech and language therapy sessions and appears to enjoy one-on-one -on -one interactions. Torin plays a variety of toys and looks and looks at books for short periods of time, no more than five minutes at one toy or book. Torin exhibits a short attention span during structured activity and is difficult to read difficult to redirect the task. Torin exhibits a low frustration tolerance and cries when he's not achieved something. That never got better. <laughs> and you'll literally see that in every single report, mm. the frustration thing. Every single one. <laughs> At least my name's spelt right in this one. So Torn generally tends to play by himself, interact with peer, interaction with peers is emerging. He demonstrates difficulty sharing toys and requires adult intervention to resolve conflicts. Pragmatic deficits are, are evident in areas of using functional and meaningful language. Now, the important part of this, I want you to keep what I'm about to read in mind. Mm -hmm. This is the summary of this particular report. Torin Kurtz, Torin Kurtz is a three-year-old, three-month, three-year-old and 11-month-year-old male, because they wrote it weird, who presents with significant language delays. Torin's expressive language consists of two and three-word utterances and a diverse vocabulary. Torin seldom initiates conversation and his responses to questions are inconsistent, are, in, are inconsistently appropriate. Are what? inconsistently appropriate. What the hell does that mean? And I read that right. Incons okay. Torin does not use his language to interact with his peers. Receptively, Torin follows simple directions give me, show me. Pragmatic deficits appear in areas of using language in a functional, meaningful way. Torin exhibits a low frustration tolerance, yada, yada, yada. And this is very important. An, an audiological evaluation was administered in October 1995 and revealed a mild hearing loss in the left ear and moderate hearing loss in the right ear. Retesting was recommended due to Torrance's distractibility. Torrance parents were informed of the evaluation results. Keep that in mind. 
So you weren't following directions because you couldn't hear? Just, just keep that in mind. The next one is from the next year, which is February 7, 1997. So I would have been almost five. Hold on. Where, where should I be reading? Right here, I guess. This is behavioral background. Torin is a four-year four and 10-month-old social and social and cooperative boy of Hispanic descent. <laughs> I'm not Hispanic, but at least I spelled my name right. So apparently now I'm social and cooperative. When the first one, two years ago, I was agitating and didn't listen to anything anybody said. And due to the result of being social and cooperative, you turned into a Hispanic individual. Is that I, know, right? I, I turned Hispanic. Don't panic Hispanic, as they say. <laughs> Torin embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. As an educator, it's so embarrassing. And that still happens it's today. It's so much worse. Ugh. Torin communicates his needs and wants in complete sentences in English with some delay of responses and other information not related to question or conversation mixed in. Some delay of responses. Told you to keep that hearing thing in mind. Mm -hmm. during, during fine and gross motor evaluation, he frequently talks spontaneously as if to give himself a beak because they misspelled that from the required task. They meant a break. <laughs> oh Torin also asks a lot of questions, give himself a break, this time spelled correctly, from the task at hand. I don't know why they need to write that twice. Mm -hmm. Torin exhibits a fair attention span and fair eye contact maintenance with others, because I guess that means something. He exhibits poor fine and gross motor endurance, poor motor planning, and a decrease and a decreased frustration tolerance for challenging activities. <laughs> and then basically talks about how uncoordinated I am. Uh, goes on to talk about how uncoordinated I am. And we are at the summary because I don't want to read all of this. Although much improvement is noted over the past year, Torrin exhibits a 16 month delay in his fine motor skills and 11 to 17 month delay in gross motor skills. Torrin's low tone and weakness throughout contribute to his clumsy, awkward, gross motor condition and compensate, compens, compensatory movement. Torrin's difficulty regulating processing visual, audio, tactile, and proprioceptive, proprioceptive and vestibular input result in high visual and auditory, auditory distractibility decreased and decreased attention span, decreased awareness of body and position space, poor motor planning, bilateral integration and poor frustration tolerance. So apparently the fact that I'm on the coordinator is the root of everything wrong in my life. <laughs> Occupational therapy is recommended two years, yada, yada, yada. Okay, that's number three. So that's when I was about five. So you already see a change from someone who doesn't listen, someone who listens, but mm -hmm. just has no coordination mm -hmm. and doesn't respond on time and mm -hmm. can be distracted easily. And notice there was no mention that of the hearing problem. Yeah. Yeah, that, no. keep, keep the fact, keep that that consp that conspicuous lack of the hearing problem. Yes, keep, keep keep that in mind for the next few. Yeah, just amazing. You know, from a speech therapist perspective, it's it's so interesting how they contradict in terms of 
you're doing this, 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 and this, but then it's like, oh, he's not doing this, 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 and this. And I'm like, but if you look what he did, this, this, and this, it's actually a higher level of language communication than what you're looking for, but they miss it. It's really interesting. Um, what is that? Can't see the forest for the trees or something. Yeah, it's no, exactly. I think that's, that, that's, the right, that's the right metaphor. Exactly. And the reason I'm reading this is you could say, well, this is from the late 90s, but a lot of this still comes up today. Oh, it's worse today. I can tell you right now, it's worse. I've seen some evaluations that I just have looked at the SPED coordinator and I've said, we need to stop this meeting and you need to really get someone to look at this and someone needs to fix this. We, I, I can't even like, it's embarrassing. Like it's so embarrassing that no one check this report and you all are submitting this to parents like this. Embarrassing. It's crazy. The copy paste is going strong. I know. Yeah. That's another theme for this too. Mm -hmm. So we have this next one is a psychiatric evaluation from about the same period as the last one. This is just a summary. Porn is an appealing young boy. So at least my at least the descriptions of me are getting better. Porn <laughs> is an appealing young boy whose cognitive skills fall somewhere between average and low average range of functioning. Torn's co- so I went so that that sort of that sort of reverses it because I went yeah. from showing some brilliance to being low yes. average. Now, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm trending in the wrong direction here. The nice now, you're, now you're Hispanic and leaning towards intellectually delayed, but you're so appealing. <laughs> I'm like I'm like the people that Republicans are afraid of crossing the border. Crazy. Oh, I can't believe it. Keep going. <laughs> Lauren's cooperation and ability to focus and inability to pers- to persevere in the face of frustration affected his overall performance and these current scores might be might be an underestimate us underestimation an underestimate of his cognitive potential jesus christ these people can't write mm. comprehending complex language and verbal abs- abstractions continue to be difficult for torn despite his adequate scores on many of the standardized measures similarly si- similarly there are quant qualitative issues in regard to his uh, gram, gram, gramfomotor functionings. Huh. Never heard of that. Which should be addressed by the, by the OT who will evaluate him. Torrance problem with focusing, distractibility, and low tolerance frustration continue to impede his ability to learn. This is interesting, this next paragraph. Torrance difficulty interacting with his peers uh, initiating conversations, sometimes sometimes rigid and unusual behavioral patterns, do not appear to be emotionally based. All of the mild cognitive deficit, de- deficits added added to his very specific behavioral problems, because these are <clears> problems, <throat> evidently, <clears throat> seem to point towards a diagnosis of persuasive developmental disorder or behavioral uh. syndrome. Those are for the viewers. Those are both autism spectrum disorders got rolled into the larger disorder. Yes. This should be explored further in order to ensure Torrin receives school placement the most appropriate, yada, yada, yada. So oh, you were, you, you became um, Hispanic and then appealing, and then now it's a behavior problem? Yeah, we're a stupid person with behavior problems, yes. Okay, all right. Okay, this one is, once again, around the same time period. This is a speech and language reevaluation. 
Torin Kearns presents with mild, remember, I'm around five at this point, presents with mild receptive language delays. Remember, the hearing thing. Uh (laughs) As well as delays in social and pragmatic skills. Torin exhibits a short attention span and he is easily distracted during structured activities. Torin, why aren't you following directions? Can you hear me? <laughs> Is anyone even thinking about that? No. White, this entire life's like childhood, childhood's worth of gaslighting. Gosh. Uh. Some reason I can't talk today. I don't know why. I'm not good at reading out loud, so it's twisting my words. Okay, this is a psychiatric assessment. So, you know, whenever it says psychiatric assessment, it's going to be a bunch of bullshit. That's, yeah. that's a pattern here. This is from uh, the report was done August 7, 2000. So I live in about eight now. Torin, once again, misspelt. At least this <laughs> time it has two R's. Torin's father later, later knows developmental, because he's talking about my history, my developmental history, later knows developmental delays, especially in the area of speech. Torin was able to sit without assistance when he was nine months and started walking without holding objects at 18 months. He began pointing to desired objects in second year of life and was able to utter a handful of words at 30 months. He began to use short sentences, I want juice, at age four and was not fully toileted, and didn't know that was a word, toilet trained. This is the weirdest spelling of toilet I've ever seen. It's spelled T-O-I-L-E-T-T-E. Oh, they must toilet. be British. I don't know. Toilet. I don't know what that is. I thought it's a toilet. Toileted trained until he was four and a half years old. So I wasn't probably trained until I was almost five. It was evidence from an early age Torn did not make eye contact and did not play with other youngsters. His eye contact has improved since then because apparently that means something. But even mm-hmm. now, he only makes intermittent eye contact. Recently, he's shown some interest in rudimentary play. As a toddler, Torin was socially isolated and awkward when relating to peers. In spite of some progress, he remains isolated from peers. Since early in life, he seems to be unable to understand others' body language and emotions. For example, to this day, he does not realize it when someone is joking. Everything was funny. For him. Why is that important? It is very difficult for him to deal with change, and therefore he struggles. He he struggle. He strongly prefers to have routines that remain unchanged. When unexpected change or events do occur, Torin seems to experience a lot of stress. Meeting new people is a typical source of stress for Torin. Overeating has been another long term, long standing pattern. Unfortunately, that hasn't gotten any better. <laughs> now, this under category called interview with child. So this is one he actually interviewed me Torn, oh. once again spelt incorrectly you think when they did the in-person interview they could have asked me how to spell my fucking name yeah that would have been great that would have been great Torrance's behavior during the interview may not be entirely typical because he experiences significant anxiety ha meets a new person it says when the ha meets a, <clears throat> meets a new person great editing and this was evident during the interview Torn is an overweight youngster again with the weight Mm-mm. looks his stated age. His behavior, however, is that of a younger child. Torrance's speech was fluent and easy to understand. His vocabulary was age-appropriate and perhaps slightly perhaps slightly advanced for a child of his age. For example, he used words as he used words such as substitute. 
Apparently that's advanced for an eight-year-old. <laughs> Torin is often tangential. I He switches from one topic to another and has no apparent connection to the first topic. Nevertheless, he, the content expressed as part of each topic is relevant, coherent, but often socially inappropriate. When asked, what do you like to do for fun? Torin replied, I like to take kids and beat them up and play with Power Rangers. One <laughs> sentence. Your your, your frustration level. (laughs) Oh my gosh. There is very like, considering I never beat anybody up, I was the one getting beat up. There was very likeliness. There's a very high likeliness. I was being sarcastic because I was annoyed. I don't remember this evaluation. Oh boy. Similarly, Torrin, I would imagine that that's a way for you to let them know. I want to have, I want to get my power back. I want to be a power ranger and I want to defeat the people who are beating me up. That's what I hear in that. I was bullied a lot in school. Notice how none of that was mentioned. I never hid how much I was bullied. I constantly talked about it. So notice how none of that shit's mentioned. None of that's in the paperwork. Yep. Similarly, when asked why he wanted to hit his father, Torin replied, my father's stomach is, is a good punching bag. Apparently, Torin displays a lot of aggressive fantasies, but little aggressive behavior. Torn becomes evasive when asked about his mother's health. There was only, yada, yada, yada. My mom was sick at the time and I wasn't told. So uh, now you're a psychotic future serial killer because you have yes. violent fantasies that you don't act on? Yes. Keep that part in mind about my father because there was a very good reason I had violent fantasies. And I'll mm-hmm. get to that in a little bit. Hold on. I think there's a summary here. Yes, there is. Summary. This is a fragile youngster. Fragile is now really fragile. bold. Mm-mm. Not in bold. Yes, not not italics. Bold. So so now you have an advanced vocabulary. You're Hispanic. You're appealing, but you're psychotic with a little bit of fragility. <laughs> no, lots of fragility. <laughs> a lot written in bold. I've never. Uh, depending on the doctor, depending on your opinion of me, which tracks. This is a fragile in bold youngster with significant history of developmental delays and of behavior suggested of autism, who also inhibits strengths in limited areas of functioning. That was written in bold too. I.e. he is highly verbal child who has good vocabulary. Yet he cannot read at age appropriate level as per reports mentioned above. And if you're listening to me read this, you can see where that came from. Mm-mm-mm. Plays poor social skills and inability to read social, quote unquote, read social cues and an obvious fragility, again with the fragility, especially when under stress. So he mentions fragility twice. The following suggests an autism spectrum disorder. <laughs> the following, the being fried. Oh, that's a... <laughs> so was that age eight? <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. And that was written in bold too. The following suggests an autism spectrum disorder. Oh my gosh. So I'm fragile and angry, but hey, I can talk. So yeah. I must have autism. Yes, must have autism. Oh, and you're overweight. I'm not done with the paragraph. <laughs> Developmental delays and significant deficits in relating to others' reciprocal interaction. I don't know what that means. Uh, reciprocal interactions, including an inability to read social cues, a pursuit of sameness manifested by extreme reactions to change or routine, and severe anxiety when meeting new people. Limited and formally poor eye contact, 
academically, there are a few areas of relative strength, mathematics, that ended up flipping. I, I, after about <laughs> this point, I became awful in mathematics. That's funny reading that. <laughs> but also underperformance in reading. Ah. Those two would flip. Yeah. As you know, I'm a writer. Um, it also mentions here again about my weight. That's why I said I wasn't done. Ah. Because <laughs> they need to they made sure to emphasize the weight part of that. So that's the evaluation of when I was eight. Oh boy. This is the entire life of just gaslighting and bullshit. Yeah. Paperclip for this. And then like just to like, you know, uh read and and just to see what people, their viewpoint of you as a child, right? Like you were a child who needed support and just, ugh. I'm such a stickler about the way things are written about children. Like I, um, uh, there's a family that I've been, and I think I might've told you this story, uh, Torin, a family that I've been working with for a while and the school team, uh, chair, department, sped person, whatever, is very aware of our sense of um, knowledge and the parent's uh, ability to advocate. And she's very well aware of our expectations. And so one of the things that we always, well, I won't tell the draft story, but there was a particular sentence that was written about, and this family has two children um, who are autistic. And there was a particular sentence and the wording made it, the child sound like a raging lunatic, right? Like just like a raging lunatic. And I asked them to change the sentence, the wording. And the chairperson said, well, you know, um, everyone here, you know, knows what, what it means. I said, but we don't know where this paper is going to go and who else is going to see this. And if we have to move and it's not a true depiction of actually what's going on. And so she's like, well, you know, we just think that blah, blah, blah. And so back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Right. And so finally, I was so frustrated, so frustrated. I looked at the lady and I said, ma'am, do you get docked from your pay every time you have to change a sentence in an IEP? Because I don't understand why you're so strong willed about not changing a sentence. We're not asking for something with money. We're not asking for a one-on-one -on -one pair. We're not even asking for more services. We just want you to reword it so it reflects what's actually going on with this little girl. And she did not say a word, but I just don't understand. I didn't understand, still don't understand why you don't want it to reflect what's really going on and why does it have to be so negative and the children are like maniacs and crazy and running around like animals. That's not what's going on. Um, anyway, oh, I'm all fired up. Oh, it's true. Well, see, to have to change that sentence meant in some way she was wrong and you know you can't question people's authority. Oh, is that what that was about? Being right or wrong? Seriously? Our yeah, that's, with educators, no offense, that, that tends to be it. Okay, the next one is part of an IEP. Obviously, I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's part of an IEP from September 22nd, 2003. So I would have been about 11. Hold on one second. Let me just find this paper. Okay, found it. Torin is a friendly, talkative student who has difficulties tolerating frustration. Told you this would be a theme. <laughs> and has become increasingly angry and emotional when frustrated. Torn has difficulties relating to his peers and often feels isolated and bullied. He was 
he has difficulties understanding the complexity of social situations and is unusually articulate and able to express himself verbally. That's all we got for that one. Ah, so now you're verbal and, uh, okay, move on. Let's next see where you, one, what you are. Next one is a bit of a jump here. So the next one is from 2006, no, 2005. I think this is, every, every one of these says 2005, one of them says six, but it's the same dates. I think they made a mistake. This is 2005, so it would have been about 13. All right, so teen, yeah. preteen years, preteen years. Oh, Christ, it's written in handwriting, and people don't know how to write. Clinical interview and projective testing indicates taurins when S. Mm. I'm plural now, apparently. <laughs> indicates taurins is able to interact appropriately one-to-one -one with peers and adults and displays age-appropriate social skills. There's a, there's a big change from about three years prior. Also, my name is spelled correct at the top of this because it's from an IEP. So my name is spelled correctly at the top of this. So why is there an S in the actual report? I, I don't even know what to say. So <sighs> apparently I, I have good social skills now. <laughs> I developed social skills in the three years between the two, the two evaluations. At, at the same time, there was some evidence of significant feelings of anxiety or depressions. Problems with frustration tolerance. Literally, it's like they're getting paid to mention this on every single one of these. <laughs> the like truth a... is, I still get pissed off when I don't get something right I away. That's actually one of the few accurate things. Well, you know, everybody's personality, uh, you know, everybody has a different threshold. Some people can wait in line at the grocery store and some people can't. I, I can't. Mean, I really can't. Yeah. I really can't. I am one of the most impatient people you'd ever meet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is from the same IEP. Torn is a 13-year-old boy with morbid obesity and poor... Oh, no, now you've gotten to morbid <clears throat> obesity? To be fair, I legitimately was. I, I mean, I still am pretty fat. That, that's actually accurate. And poor physical endurance. Torn exhibits poor sensory regulatory behaviors and difficulty in coping skills. His gross motor skills are below age-appropriate limits, including balance. And the rest of it was written with a pen that was running out of ink. <gasps> Hurts them to just change pens, which leads me to believe that there's this name, give a shit what it actually said. Oh my gosh. I remember, we, I remember the days when we used to handwrite IEPs, which is another reason why I don't understand why it's difficult to change a sentence or change a word because we just type it in now. But we used to have to handwrite when I first started as a speech therapist. All of these, almost all of these, most of, most of what I've read is handwritten. Some of it's typed. Yeah. The IEPs are handwritten. Some of the evaluations are typed. Mm -hmm. Uh, this is some handwriting. Uh, Torn, this is from the same IEP. Torn will be, oh, this short-term objectives. One of my favorite things about the IEP are the will statements. Torn will, torn mm -hmm. will, torn will. Mm -hmm. Like, nigga, torn will do, ain't doing shit. Yeah. That's what yeah. I think in my head. Yeah. But short-term objectives. Torn will be less depressed, less <gasps> anxious about interpersonal problems. <gasps> or about academic performance or conflicts in life. Torin will be able to talk about feelings of depression, anxiety relative to the above. Mm -mm. 
you will be less depressed. I will so, be less depressed, oppressed, less depressed and less anxious. Less depressed and less anxious. About and, interpersonal and, problems. Okay, so, 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 <laughs> wait, my, my question is this, Torin, I need to know what are they, what are the things that they're doing to build this? Like, did they, so that's a goal. Yes, it's a, it's part of the annual goals and short-term objective section. So what are the what are a couple of the objectives underneath that? There's nothing written. <gasps> it's just blank. Like there's stuff they should have checked and stuff. It's just blank. That's all that's on the page is why I read. Interesting. So you're just supposed to all of a sudden lower your depression and anxiety just because they say so? Yes, it's literally that's all they wrote and the rest of the page is blank. Got it. Even though now I don't know if in the IEP they have you with their you know services with a therapist because I I assume this was after your mother passed away right because your mother passed away when you were young so yeah a couple years after yeah mm-hmm. got it but you need to hurry up as a child and lower your depression and anxiety that yes. was their expectation yes yeah okay um, and I will actually get to some of the sources of that after the next page. This, at least, is part of the same IEP. At least it's typed. Thank God. <laughs> this is in Behavioral, Ent- Behavioral Intervention Plan. Oh! Torn has difficulties following frustration. He, he becomes yells sometimes. <laughs> he becomes yells. Oh, my comma. goodness. He becomes yells, comma, sometimes becomes physically aggressive and cries unfrustrated. This <laughs> Did did Trump write this? Uh. What behavioral changes are expected? Torn will gain a better under Torn will once again. Torn will gain a better understanding of what is in his control and what is not. He will learn to cope more effectively when situations are out of his control. What strategies are going to be tried to change this behavior? At least there's something. Mm-hmm. Learning ready, readiness programs offer feedback, structure, prompting, rewards for desired behaviors. Jesus. Oh my gosh. Christ. So not only are they. I hadn't read that before that. This is the first time I'm reading that. <laughs> so not only are they expecting you to do a very high level skill that adults cannot do. Um, now you also have to do it with all of those behavior based and that's how that's going to fix that during puberty, during puberty, during puberty. Oh yes. That would have been about 13 at this time. So yes. Mm-hmm. Consequences mm-hmm. for inappropriate behavior are consistent and predictable consequence. This is part of the same section. Consequence mm-hmm. range, range from verbal prompts, loss of points, timeout, in-house suspension. To an to a to an at home suspension. Mm. So Do you have an idea don't... how well these these suspensions work. This particular school, I would purposely act up to get the suspension, so I wouldn't have to deal with my classmates. That that that's how yeah. well they worked. Yeah, yeah. What supports will be employed to help the student change behavior? Ooh, let's hear. Classroom staff will implement the use of verbal prompts, loss of points, and directions. Timeout room. Mine will like so just... those are not strategies, those are the same as the consequences. Yeah, <laughs> crisis interventionalists provide support and redirection if timeout in the dean's office is required. Counseling staffs are available to work on long term 
problems. Okay, so heads up about the school. None of this is true. There were no crisis intervention staff. They were just one-on-ones who were poorly trained. Mm-hmm. Like we had gym teachers teaching homeroom, like mm-hmm. teachers that were not certified to teach. So none of this stuff was actually implemented at this particular school. <laughs> yeah, the, I guess the, the things they use to, to help are just are just the punishment. We're just gonna punish yeah, the shit out of it so stop being autistic. Yeah. Yeah, I really feel like this is written by Lipschitz. Yep. We're just going to keep giving consequences and maybe he'll be able to develop that high level skill of being autistic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amazing. So listeners, this is why we are here. We are trying to shift the narrative because this is the narrative that was put on, on Torrens. Like this is, the story of Torin's life, right? In on in this paper, and this is the narrative they have around who he was as a human being in the school. Oh, it's the just reason shameful. some of the uh, behavioral problems mentioned, especially some of the anger towards mm-hmm. my father, is, and it, it's funny how this was never mentioned in the reports because my dad never talked about it. My father was incredibly abusive. Mm-hmm. Uh, both my parents were. Um, and he, my dad was very verbally abusive. My mom would hit me a lot, but my dad was very verbally abusive. He'd say all matters of really messed up stuff, blame me for ruining his life, saying I ruined the lives of everybody around me. Uh, really awful things you could tell to any child, no less an autistic one. So by the time I was about 14, I was bigger than him. So there would be times when, yeah, I'll admit, I slapped him around a little bit to get him to shut up because it would work for short terms. For a short amount of time. And then he would go to the doctor and say, Torrin is so violent and angry. I can't control him. And I'm trying my best. I don't know what it is without mentioning any of the abuse he'd said. Of course. Because this was a daily occurrence. He was mm-hmm. always like this. Mm-hmm. He would literally wake up and just scream at me. Mm-hmm. Um, he also had a lot of issues with drugs. So he'd get high. When he was high, he was worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, that that's some of the anger you saw going back to yeah. when I was eight. Yes. And- so that, sorry. No, no, no. I, I, I'm, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Torin. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I just wanted to sort of bring it back to what's written down on the report, right? So those are examples of things that also happen in the classroom or in the assessment room, right? With the therapist, where the therapist will withhold an item for a child or they will um, take things away in the classroom. And then when the children fight back literally physically, right? Like with frustration because they don't have another way to sort of stand up for themselves. Then they're all of a sudden violent and aggressive when a lot of times it's, they're just pissed off at the person who's treating them like crap, right? Kids are not stupid. They're very aware of people around them who are not nice, very aware of people who are not nice. Exactly. So this is our last one that I have, and this Mm -hmm. is very short. This is a IEP from June 12, 2007. So I would have been about 15. All right. Mm-hmm. If this is just the, the first sheet that shows uh, other alerts besides the normal stuff, bilateral hearing loss. <gasps> Notice, how, no, if, if you've been following, the whole hearing thing has not been mentioned since I was four years old. Yes. I'm 15 now. So yeah. it went 11 years 11 without that being mentioned. Ugh. Uh, 11 years, like five evaluations without that ever being brought up again about the hearing loss. Wow. Wow. It gets better. 
I'm so uh, sorry, Torin. Autism. It says, oh, it says hearing loss wears, hearing loss wears obesity. <laughs> they meant wear, wears glasses. Oh. When they glasses. It says hearing loss wears, comma, obesity. So I wear obesity. Ah, so, okay. Tinnitus, because I used to have tinnitus, Asperger's syndrome. It then gives me a classification of autism, which is weird because those were two different disorders back then. Oh, the reason it's the reason it's it's done that way is because under the classification system in the school for educational classification, there is no Asperger's, it's only autism. So that was before the DSM five. I see. Yeah. Needs extra long seatbelt because I was really fat and seat alone on school buses. Neither of those were ever done. Okay, this is part of the same IEP. Torn has Asper Torn has Asperger's disorder which yeah, that's a, the less common use of it. Normally it's Asperger's syndrome, but I've heard disorder before. Torn, and my name is spelt right, so that's improvement, has Asperger's disorders and a hearing loss in his right ear accompanied by tinnitus and noise sensitivity. Wow. Asperger's is a social skills deficit disorder, which interferes with adjustments, with, with adjustments as social skills increase with age. That's a weird definition, but okay. Torin wants to make friends and could benefit in social skills training in order to facilitate understanding the nuance of peer interaction. His hearing loss may contribute to speaking in loud voices, which is difficult for him to moderate. His hearing loss may further cause him to miss social cues and nuances when he is in an environment with background noise. Mm -hmm. it's, it's almost as if the hearing loss that was noted when I was four, that no one, my parents, doctors, teachers, anyone did anything about, yep. might have played a role in some of my development issues in the intervening 11 years. But I'm I, I think that I can say as a person with common sense, but also as a speech therapist, um, yes, 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 and yes. If you cannot hear clearly, you are not going to be able to do a lot of things efficiently. Oh my God. For context, guys, I now wear a hearing aid in my right ear, which I didn't get until I was 28. This mm. was in part because after I turned 18, I could have gotten one myself. I didn't want to admit I was losing my hearing. So I was being stubborn. So I went like another 10 years not being able to hear worth shit just to prove that I wasn't <laughs> losing my hearing. But yeah, I now need a hearing aid because I don't hear well out of my right ear. Mm -hmm. There were also reports. Uh, that I should in this that I should be seated with my left ear facing the teacher. None of this was ever done. No, yes, but I just sort of worked around the words I couldn't hear. You know what I find really interesting, Torin, is you know people think that children are sitting in a classroom or in a therapy setting and they're not aware or it's no big deal or they're not going to remember. And you are very cognizant of, no, nobody did that for me. Uh, no, that didn't happen in the classroom, which is really, you know, for me, it's so insightful because there's so many times where our, and I'm not saying that children don't need to be held accountable. Everyone, I, I'm all about children being held accountable. I don't give excuses. However, I also believe we need to set our kids up for support before we hold them accountable. <laughs> um so when you when I think of children and things that I've seen and I, the, the situations where students are not supported or parents are not supporting their kids and the kids are constantly deemed as this, 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 and this, let's get a behavior intervention, let's do this, this. And it's like, no, they just couldn't hear you, right? Like, no, they just needed this. And 
and the fact that children are very aware of what people are doing to them. They're very aware. And sometimes their only way to respond and fight back is to literally physically attack. Because at some point people get tired of being crapped on and children are not a mat that we just need to say, oh, well, they're children and they're resilient. They'll, I mean, I've literally heard people say that. Well, they're children, they're resilient, they'll get over it. I'm like, no, that's why we have a mental health crisis in this freaking country is because we just perpetuate generation after generation of trauma and thinking children will just mull past it, right? And so now we have this stuff on paper, which gives the perception of how teachers interact with you because of what's on paper, because teachers do, therapists do, people do, it's human. Um, and, and then they're looking for this chunky, Hispanic, appealing, <laughs> not following direction, broad vocabulary student. It just, Sociopath. Ah. yeah. Sociopath, evidently. Yeah. So this is the last part of this IEP, which is the last IEP I have access to. Mm -hmm. Torin is dealing with strong feelings of anger and frustration related to former school placements and with emotionally disturbed children, the bullying. <gasps> yeah, that, that's one part I forgot to mention. Uh, because of that report I read when I was eight that made me out a sociopath, mm -hmm. I got placed with other sociopaths. Oh, isn't that I got grand. placed with children who are actually violent and angry, which Ugh. was not a fun experience for me, but yeah, that's yeah. that 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 was the result of, of of that one that I read. So these have mm -hmm. real life consequences besides just a bunch of people, a bunch of alphabet people just popping off the mouth. He is also handling feelings of depression, which are exacerbated by being out of school and feeling like he's he has been unsuccessful in school. I dropped out of school after about sixth grade because I was sick of being mm -hmm. bullied, just refused to go. Okay, that is what I have so far. And we are going to discuss this. But first, we have a word from our sponsor. <laughs> when Donald Lipschitz became a certified ABA technician after completing a grueling weekend course behind a gas station, he quickly noticed a problem. The usual spit hoods RPTs use to encourage children to stop having autism didn't fit snugly enough. Oh. A good spit hood, Lipschitz believe, should make a child feel as if they're being dry waterboarded. Mm -hmm. That's why he created the Lipschitz Magic Spit Hood. Unlike other hoods, the Magic Spit Hood doesn't just asphyxiate. It actually pumps the wonder drug ivermectin oh. directly into the child's respiratory system, curing them of autism. Oh, wow. The Lipschitz Magic Split Hood has been approved for use by the CIA, the FBI, NSA, and Autism Speaks. <laughs> it also, it's also designated a torture device by the UN. Ah, like oh, our current go. CIA director, Donald Lipschitz will be arrested if he ever sets foot in Germany for committing crimes against humanity. The Lipschitz Split Hood, give me back the child that never existed. Huh. And we're love back. It. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. And, and this is, this is a humorous way to um, uh, address some By the of way, the way, this is sarcasm. So don't sue us. Autism speaks. This, this is, this is satire. Yes. Um, but it's a way for us to like demonstrate the extreme 
ridiculousness that some people put out um, in regards to um, curing autism. Uh, so with that said, back to the evaluation and the IEPs and what is written. Um, you know, I've already said, uh, and anyone who knows me knows that I'm a stickler about what is put on paper when it comes to our children. Um, for several reasons that we just sort of discussed. Uh, but so, uh, you know, I think partly it's, it's kind of neat for parents to see the transition, right? Like that kiddo that they put on the evaluation and, and depicted as a three-year-old is different than the nine-year-old and the 12-year-old and the 15-year-old, right? So I guess it's, it's, there were some signs of, documented growth, even though clearly we know there was growth, but there was some documented growth. Uh, I don't know. How does it make you feel, Torin, when it's like reading what people thought of you as a three-year-old? I mean, you're like three, like everyone who's three is just bebopping, trying to get more cookies. Like That's what you do when you're three, play, play, and eat cookies. For me, because I, I had a unique experience. Um, I've always had a sense that like, this is what people thought of me. It's always put a huge chip on my shoulder. It's always why, it's why I always talk about autism being a superpower. It's why I've always shied away from the, for lack of a better word, the victim mentality mm -hmm. that a lot of people in the autism community have where, and why I've never been able to identify with autistic people who were sort of seen as gifted mm -hmm. because well, you guys all heard that's the sort of, that's the sum total of what was thought of me. Mm -hmm. What was made worse is my dad believed all this shit mm -hmm. and constantly reminded me of everything all these all these all these uh, papers said. So mm -hmm. even though I'm just reading them now, he was telling me things like that my entire life. It yeah. was part of the abuse and it was yeah. part of his way of protecting me because he believed, well, Torn's a retard. I'm sorry for using the word, but sometimes words are necessary because that's mm -hmm. what I was called. Mm -hmm. Torrance a retard and he'll never be able to do anything. So I need to remind him he is one so he doesn't get his hopes up. Because he's going to get his exactly. hopes up, he's going to fail and then it'll be crushing. He won't be able to handle it because as the paper said multiple times, I'm fragile apparently. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So at this point, I just laugh. Yeah. Like it's funny because yeah. I've heard everything. I've been called mm -hmm. everything. But of course it has an effect. Like I said, I have a huge chip on my shoulder. I'm a very mm -hmm. uh, competitive, angry person as mm -hmm. an adult because having to deal with all of this as a child, because I was told you can't do X, Y, and Z. It's mm -hmm. why I never like saying you can't. It's why I get mad at other autistic people who say it's okay, it's okay to say you can't because my whole life was people telling me I can't. Yeah, yeah. And telling me, gaslighting me and saying all sorts of things and putting me in the wrong school and believing the stuff my very abusive father had to say about me. Mm -hmm. And yeah. there's stuff that's not in the report. At one point, uh, my dad told, told doctors that I once, I was so obsessed with food, I ate a meatloaf frozen. Mm -hmm. That's not true. I don't even know how yeah, that would yeah. be possible. I yeah. took a meatloaf out of the fridge, sliced it, ate it cold, because I like the taste of cold meatloaf. Yeah. I like cold pizza too. It, it's really weird. I, I, I prefer it cold mm -hmm. than hot. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. um, but they believe stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And there would be ways I would get back at him. Like, I believe I've said this on the podcast. That I once convinced a doctor who was gay because my dad was incredibly homophobic. Yeah. And that yeah, was part of, I was about 13 at the time. That was part of my way of getting back to him. So I'm like, well, if he can get, I didn't have the words back then, but it's like, mm -hmm. if he can gaslight me my entire life, well, then the two can play at that game. Yeah. 
So yeah, yeah it, it has an effect. I'd like to say it hasn't, but of course it has. And mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think it was positive, but yeah. it did make me want to prove everybody wrong. And it mm-hmm. does give me a sense of urgency and a drive. It's allowed me to overcome legitimate deficits. Yeah. Just out of pure spite. Yeah. And and that's because that's who your that's your personality, right? Your personal internal motivation. Everyone doesn't have that. So everyone doesn't come out of those situations um, as strong-willed and determined to prove people wrong um, as you do. And of course, you know, that's a, a gift for that you, that's just a gift that you have. I mean, it's not everybody has that and everybody can persevere. One of the things I think that you, um, you said that I wanted to just bring um, sort of bring back to our listeners is you were saying that, and your dad believed what they wrote. And that is where, you know, I talk about parent empowerment, understanding and knowing your child, because if you don't and you don't participate, they will tell you who your child is. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. You should be your child's expert as a parent. You should say, this is my child. Let me introduce you to my child and who he is as a human being, not the other people telling you that this is your child that we saw in 90 minutes, two hours, and this is your child, right? Um, You don't like, I'm not saying I am a a therapist and, and, and I, I'm not saying that professionals don't have knowledge. I'm saying you don't let someone dictate to you who your child is. You have just as much, but even more um, input into what goes into an evaluation. The evaluation is just about numbers, but when they interview you, um, when parents get interviewed for evaluations, tell them about your child. You know, don't just talk about what they can't do because that's all they're looking at already. Let them do that part from those standardized assessments, but you tell them about your child. And I think a lot of parents are getting there, Torin. I think a lot of parents on social media are talking about that in terms of, you know, saying, okay, that's not what it is. You need to either redo the evaluation or change it, right? One or the other. Exactly. And we have, I'm not sure what order this is going to come out in. I suspect uh, we did an interview with Brandy Thompson, who, who's a, a social media personality, and her child's autistic and she's autistic. I expect that will come out before this one. Mm-hmm. If it does, one of the things she talked about her kid is she always mentioned her kid in positive stuff first mm-hmm. because she understood that the doctors are always going to present the deficits or the yep. perceived deficits, I should say, and the things that they can't do or can't do like every other child at the same time as every other child in the same mm-hmm. way as every other child. So when you're talking to the doctor, make sure you focus on the positive because if you focus on the negative, that's what they're trained to do. Mm-hmm. And the second thing to remember is just because they have a whole can of alphabet soup next to their name doesn't mean they know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. A lot of times the education we give people it has holes in it. And people and people who've been in academia for a long time have an unfortunate tendency of power tripping. Because yeah, that's yeah. just what the, that that's just what happens when you spend eight to twelve years being told, no, I'm having professors tell you, I'm smart, you're not, I'm teaching you, I know everything. Then when they become a professor, they mm-hmm. carry that cycle of abuse. So you tend to get a lot of power tripping with the alphabet people. It's why I, I, I don't trust them to a certain mm-hmm. extent. And because I have to go my whole life being written about in those sort of terms. Yeah. Yeah. But also remember some, not all of those evaluations were negative. Some of them were very positive. It really depended 
on the doctor and depending on the information they had to work with. Yes. Some of the doctors will only get information from my father, who is just straight up lying to them or uh, lying by omission at best. Mm-hmm. But straight, straight up lying. So it's just stuff you, you, you straight up didn't tell them. So, yeah. So I wanted to really quickly, Torin, share an example of, because I know I've mentioned several times rewording, rewording, and um, uh, I want to give an example of that. <laughs> so, so I think um, one of the uh, ongoing, you know, uh, comments in terms of your frustration level and tolerance and, you know, just torn angers easily and oh my goodness, blah, 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 all of that, right? So instead of it being presented in a terms of you as the child is, are doing something negative, bad, negative, bad, you need to control negative, bad, instead of putting it that way in that terminology and the way they wrote it, I would recommend and say, well, what's really going on is they really need to have a way to regulate their sensory system so that they not let's let's push the hearing issue on the side. We know that was a huge component. But, um, you know, in terms of they just need maybe they need more supports in the morning during those high structured academic activities. And so that's really what they need. Not necessarily they need to fix their threshold and not be frustrated, but they need more support during heavy structured activities. Therefore, we need to provide them with this. Right. Because what my and and I'll tell you why I'm such a stickler, because I do not I do not believe it is the burden of the child to fix it. The burden is on the adults in the room to support their needs so that they can do it. We don't tell someone with a wheelchair, build your ramp to get in the building when you get here. We have a ramp to support their needs when they get there. And we need to do the same for our children. It's all we need to do. It's really that simple. It's not their responsibility to fix it. I'm not saying children shouldn't be held accountable, but, but people expect kids like they put on your thing. He will be less depressed. What the hell is that about? Be I mean, there are adults and, and, that, less, and, and less anxious, Stacey. And, and less anxious and less anxious. And I'm thinking, so number one, that is not something that anyone really has control over. Adults, if you have depression, you have depression. You don't necessarily decide I'm going to be less depressed. And it happens, right? Um, and now you're expecting a child to be in charge of their mental health. Like, what the heck is that about? I, I don't understand. But, you know. Well, part that I don't get is the part you mentioned about he will be less depressed. It's like, I get that's how you have to write it, but you're doctors. You understand, you should understand that's not how it works. And the funny part to me is then when you ask, so what are the structure? I looked at the page and it was blank. Like the other <laughs> short-term goal stuff just was not filled in. They just wrote that and then dipped. I think that that's the funniest part. They're like, well, fucking figure it out. It's not, yeah. not, not our problem. Just stop yeah. being such a handful for your father. And also the I, fact in the background that I was dealing with such abuse, which yeah, at the yeah. time I, I didn't realize I was abused till like I was in my twenties and I was, I got a job at a, 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 a youth camp and they were reading like the obligatory, because we're mandatory reporters. They were, re- they were reading over the obligatory signs of abuse. And, mm-hmm. I was, and we all got the pamphlet. I was looking down, I was like, this counts as abuse. So I was like, this, th- this was just my life. Yeah. So apparently exactly. I checked, like every single box under verbal abuse, like half of them under physical abuse. I was like, Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I just now popped in my head. I will never forget the most. 
And this is where, you know, parents, you know, getting your draft of your evaluations, picking through it, your draft of your IEP, so you can look for these things and be prepared so that when you go into the meeting or you can ahead of time, let them know the changes that you're requesting. But I will never forget, there was an IEP and one of the goals was the child will learn to self-regulate within the classroom setting, right? Then the next goal was the child will reduce stimming within the classroom setting. And I looked at them and I said, you do know that stimming is a self-regulatory action, right? So now one part of you wants him to self-regulate, but when he self-regulates, you don't want him to regulate. Can you make up your mind which goal we're shooting for? And, and this was a meeting where, I mean, I was just like, this is so ridiculous. Like this whole IP is ridiculous. It wasn't even like I was trying to be a jerk. It was a ridiculous meeting and the IEP was ridiculous. And I could not believe that all of the IEP, out of all of the team members, every all the therapists that were in the room, not one person knew that stimming was a self-regulatory behavior for that child and that those two things contradicted themselves because it was all about what they want the child to do, not what the child needs. And I'm going to stop there because I'll go into my big old preaching. I don't understand how have things not gotten better. Like I don't want to sound negative, but things have not gotten better. Like let's let's just be real. They haven't. That's see, I don't understand if it this wouldn't be so tragic if it was just and it'd be a lot funnier if I read this and be like, well, late 90s, mid 2000s, that's mm-hmm. how they talk, but it, it hasn't gotten better at all. Yeah. Yeah, it hasn't. I had a few months ago, a mom sent me an evaluation to look over. And I said to her, I called her and I said, did you get a chance to look this over? And she said, well, I started reading it, but it was just really overwhelming. So I was going to wait until I spoke with you. And I said, midway through the evaluation, they have literally copy pasted and attached someone else's evaluation. And they're talking about someone else's child. In I your got some of those. Oh, I got some of those too. I didn't read yeah. them, but I got, I got an evaluation yeah. from some dude named James Fernandez talking about how he needs to learn has how, how he needs to learn uh, Spanish and English. Oh gosh. Like that, I was, that just, was in there. I just, I just didn't read that part. That was, in I there. was so angry. And then as an educator and a professional, I was embarrassed. Like, like, did you go to school? I mean, I went to school. Like, did you, did you learn how, like, like, why would you have so much disregard? And I don't, I understand people are busy and nobody likes writing reports, but God darn it. If you are going to hand a piece of paper over to a parent that describes their child, it at least better be their child. Even if the description's wrong, at least let it be their child, right? At least have enough respect to have the correct. And then, of course, we had to call them and say, um, you have somebody else's. And, of course, you know, they're like scrambling because it's embarrassing. That's so embarrassing. And it happens more often than not. I love how when you get heated, your southern accent comes out. Oh, gosh. Born, raised in the NOLA. Um, <laughs> one of the things that annoyed me the most, and I guess there's a personal level, I'm going to go a little bit deep and I mm-hmm. probably shouldn't, but I don't care is some of these evaluations, especially the ones between about eight and 13 or so when my mm-hmm. dad was the one bringing me into my evaluations, I don't want to give the impression my dad was one of those people who had their shit together and appeared one way to the public and appeared. No, he he was he was the same way he was at home. He was to everybody else, very condescending, mm-hmm. would yell mm-hmm. at people. 
he would come in for our evaluations typically with stained shirts that were untucked, like drenched from meth sweats Mm -hmm. and just condescending as hell and angry, just looked like just straight white trash because that's Mm -hmm. what he was. Mm -hmm. Straight white trash. And no one, no one at any point thought, say, maybe this kid's home life might be a little fucked up. Yeah. Like yeah. it mentioned things like stress and depression. I'll give you something to make any kid stress and depressed. One of the things my dad loved to do, he had a heart problem, a, a genetic heart problem. So he would uh, tell me that he'd had several heart attacks uh, while I was a kid. My mm-hmm. mom died of cancer. She was very sick most of my childhood. My dad had heart issues. So he was very sick. They were constantly in and out of the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, so what he would uh, remind me almost on a daily basis is, Dealing with me was so stressful, Torrin. He would say, that one day you're going to have a meltdown and I'm just going to have a heart attack. I'm going to die. You're going to kill me, Torrin. I hope you know that. You're going to kill me. He would tell me that on a daily basis, almost Mm -hmm. daily basis, for about a decade. He got Mm -hmm. got really bad after my mom died. He really went crazy, but he was always kind of abusive. That's Mm -hmm. why you saw some of those, I want to punch my dad, some uh, sort of things. Yeah. That's just a taste of some of the awful stuff he would say to me. And then they're like, well, he's depressed and anxious. Yeah. yeah, I think I'm going to kill my father just by existing. Of course, yeah. of course I'm anxious. Of course, of course, of course. You, there's, you need routines and there no, there's no stability in your home. But in, in, in a way, like I said, that's all just stuff that's just sort of fuel for my fire. That's why I'm mm-hmm. the only kid to get off my blocks. I'm from the projects. I'm the only kid to make it off my block. I'm the only kid to go to college. Yeah. I went away to college. You know, no one in my high school, my special in high school thought I could because I wanted to get away from him. Mm-hmm. And he thought I was going to fail out. I stayed there all four years mainly to prove him wrong yeah yeah and that sort of that which was kind of stupid because he died about halfway through so you think at that point i'd be like okay i could i could, I could stop trying now i stopped <laughs> trying so hard but um that all that anger all that gaslighting all that mm. being told how worthless i am and how much of a burden i am i i internalized that and used it as fuel which like i said it's not a good thing because it makes me a little unsympathetic to other people mm-hmm. sometimes because i'm like why can't you just dig into the anger well like I do? Yeah. I have an unlimited supply of anger. I know. Not everybody, not everybody has that um that it's not even stamina. I just think everybody is different. You know, if you if you I know you're an only child, but even if you look at um, you know, as an educator, if I have four children and they all live in the same home and they have lots of things going on in the home, um, each of the children responds differently. Some of them no big deal. Some of them persevere and some of them just fall and it's a disaster. Um, so you, uh, I am grateful that you have that determination, stubbornness to push through and prove people wrong. Um, because we're here together talking and shifting the narrative. And this is such a good discussion. Um, and I appreciate you bringing this, um, to the podcast torn because you know, evaluations and IP, yes, we can always, and we may revisit this again, maybe with some parents, but I love the concept of looking through and following the, you know, Torrin's educational academic uh, life um, and just picking through that and, and helping our listeners understand that what an evaluation says sticks. Our children hear, our children listen, although Torrin, Torrin, I'm going to make a joke and say Torin can only hear half of what we said. <laughs> <laughs> we have to laugh about it because if not, I would just. Well, I, like, I, have, I have the speaker cranked out, cranked up about as high as can possibly go. <laughs> so, um, you know, 
look over your children's paperwork, get a draft. You have a right to say, please change it. And then to educators and therapists, I really, really, there's some great therapists out there that do some really good work. And, and I want you to remember that how you verbalize and write down and describe a parent's child matters. It really does matter. It matters not only for the parent, but for the child. But if you think about when parents read all of that stuff, that's not really an indication of who their child is. It's just like all these checklists of things that they didn't meet um, the criteria for. But it also, when parents internalize that stuff that you write down, that's how they respond to their children with either lower expectations or maybe frustration because their child is not going to be what they thought or wanted their child to be. And so it does impact a child's life um, from many, many, many directions. So make sure that what you write down um, depicts the kid. And I know that we have to write down the standardized stuff that comes from the testing. I get it. I get it. I get it. But we do also have that general information and we can ask parents during the interview, encourage them to tell you about their child, not what their child can't do. And, and I do that all the time. Um, I've always done that. And I used to get in trouble at work because I would not read a whole evaluation before I met the kiddo. And I would just read the, the important part, like, you know, how old they were, what was their classification. And then I would meet the parents and the kiddo. But I still do that even now with my parent coaching. We have paperwork and I read only what I need to know. And then I just tell the parents, just tell me about your kiddo. Yeah, I know. Oh, you know, he's not playing. Oh, I know. Yeah, you know, you want him to speak in sentences, but tell me about him, right? Like what lights his life and what does he get really excited about? And what is he like? Oh, don't want to do that. Um, and so that's important. And I think that we have to remember Parents and, and children at a certain age should be participating in IEP, so they'll hear all this as well. But you know, parents hear enough from doctors and therapists and evaluations on all of this stuff their child cannot do based on a standardization that somebody decided. And you, as a therapist educator, may be the only person that actually asks them about their child as a human being, and that goes a long way for parents. So that is my final thought on evaluations. And, 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 and those are incredibly important. And I, I, I just want, want, want to end this by reminding parents that just because your kid uh, has certain mannerisms now or certain struggles now doesn't mean that as they get older, they're not going to either outgrow them or learn to work around them or learn to work with, with those struggles. Like, look at me. You saw all those struggles written in those papers, um, motor issues, motor skill issues, uh, sociopathy, evidently. Uh, one, one, one evaluation actually said I had cerebral palsy. Ah, well, look at that. And referred to me as a chick. Oh. Multiple yeah, times. It said she multiple times. So. Uh, mild cerebral palsy. So I, I, um, I had all of these things. Um, but if you look at me, but but look, look, look what I become. I'm a 30 year old man who's severely traumatized, has severe anger issues, has severe uh, attachment and relationship issues, and a history of substance abuse. I turned out just fine. <laughs> Torin is absolutely me. amazing. He really is amazing. Um, and, and, you know, Torin, somebody asked me something when I first started talking about 
um, uh, you and, and how I was excited about us doing some stuff together. And I said, you know, I just remember when I saw him at this book club event and I just thought there's just something about this guy. I've just got to like get to get him to talk to my parents. And then of course, the more I've learned, um, you know, it's, it's you as an individual are just an amazing person. Right. And yes, because you persevered, but it's because of who you are. It's not just, Oh, you persevered and you're doing these things and, and, Oh, you're independently living. You know, it's not all of that. It's just, you actually are this funny. I think I said that the first time we met with parents, just funny and smart. Um, I don't usually use the word smart, but definitely not intellectually delayed. And I tell Torin that all the time. I'm always trying to counteract all that stuff they wrote about Torin. And I do understand why it's written. It's what the results on the standardized tests say, blah, blah, blah. But that doesn't mean we can't also tell parents. This is just a depiction of your child within the 90 minutes that we were there because it's a standardized test. But, you know, so these are some other things about your kiddo. All right, I'm going to stop. On a serious note, on a serious note, and all self-deprecation aside, the standardized tests don't mean everything. Uh, evaluations don't mean everything. They're important, mm-hmm. especially for getting services. They don't mean everything. Like Stacy said, advocate for your child. Push mm-hmm. back. They're writing bullshit. And most importantly, if something doesn't quite jive in the report with how you feel, mm-hmm. go with your gut. doesn't matter how many letters they have after your name. And yeah. remember, your child at three is different than they will be at 16 than they will be at 30 where I am now. I'm yes. very different from the child, from that first assessment. I'm mm-hmm. the same in certain ways. I still have the anger issues. I still get frustrated if I don't get something. I still have issues with overeating. Um, Are my, you still autistic? Yeah, apparently I'm still autistic. Okay. Yeah, I tried the ivermectin. All it did is make me shit myself. I'm kind of angry about that. Um, unless I'm immune to COVID. Okay, let's get out of here. Guys, right. make sure you share the podcast around. Um, yes. we, need to get, we need to get our message out there. We have important things to say. We're saying important things. And we need to kind of, as Stacey likes to say, shift the narrative because mm-hmm. we're pushing back against a lot of false information. Mm-hmm. And we have to flood the zone with good information. That's the only way you combat it. So exactly. I'm good. Stacey, you good? I am good. And, 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 you know, exactly what Torin said, it's not about Torin and I, we're not shifting the narrative to say we are right and other people are wrong. We want to shift the narrative for, for towards discussions, towards dialogue so that we can bring about change. Well, there's some things that we're right about and people are wrong, but um, it's not about right and wrong. It's about having discussions, shifting the narrative around autism so that it is in a more positive light. Yes, realistically, we need services and supports, but we have to start having discussions and it has to be discussions, not just within the autism community. Talk to people who don't have any connection to autism. Those are the people that we encounter. Well, I say we, those are the people that autistic individuals encounter everyone, not just people in the autistic community. So we need everyone to start thinking um, and having conversations that can be difficult. All right. Thank you all for joining us. See ya. Bye. Hey guys, if you want to follow the podcast on social media, find us on Twitter at Shifting Autism. You can follow Stacy on Twitter at Autism Sage and Instagram at Everything Autism. Follow me on Twitter at TK underscore Aspie. 
on Instagram at autistic underscore author and on Facebook at the autistic author. Thanks for listening.